What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruitments, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to the Sooners 360 Recruiting Podcast presented by Sooners360.com. I'm Matt from Sooners 360, joined as usual by Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst at Sooners 360, and Caleb Cummings, aka Mr. Sooner 55, our film guru. We took a week off, but we are back in full force today with an action-packed episode. Before we get to that episode, just a reminder to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform of choice. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. So hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Hey listeners, this is Matt from Sooners 360 taking a minute to pause our own podcast with a quick little addendum. We did record this pod Friday afternoon. Uh, It is Saturday morning now. I'm getting ready to edit the podcast and put it up. One media outlet out there is reporting that OU has parted ways with recent JUCO defensive end commit Lane Jenkins. As we head into June, our pod will effort to be as accurate as possible, but recruiting news is out of control and often fast moving. Um, So, In this podcast, we do talk about Jenkins as a OU commit, Um, so just want to preface that. Uh, It doesn't change anything we feel about Jenkins as a prospect, Um, but with that news, we're not quite sure where that stands. Uh, Head over to Sooners360.com for the latest. We will uh, check with our sources, see what's going on there. Being on that, but this podcast again, We'll talk about Jenkins as a commit, so keep that in mind. Thanks, and enjoy our podcast. This episode, number 29, we are calling this Surprise Juco Edition, and we re-rank the 2023 class five months later. Before we get into that, I'll turn it over to Chris here for a segment covering the latest recruiting news of the week, including a surprise commitment. Yeah, 
OU, I, I thought, I think we all pretty much thought, and that's why we took a, a week off last week that OU recruiting news was kind of lulling down. At least the portal stuff was starting to dissipate and that really there wasn't that much going on. And, you know, there would be, wouldn't be that much news. And then this week, all of a sudden, like a lightning bolt out of like really nowhere, uh, Lane Jenkins, a Butler uh, junior college defensive end, says he has an OU offer. I'm like, wow, that, okay. And then like uh, three minutes later, according to my Twitter feed, he says, I'm committed to Oklahoma. I'm like, what? So uh, he's, he's from Butler. He has three years to play. I believe he has a red shirt year, although that's a little, I'm not quite sure about that, but I think he has a red shirt year. Uh, he's 6'5", 255. He's from Naperville, Illinois. And he looks like uh, he's getting got several offers, one from Illinois. And of course, you could say, you know, ah, Illinois, what, and that's not a very good program, but they have a lot of drafts. They've had a lot of draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. They have a good defense. So that's not that that defensive staff is really good. So that's not that's that's not like a, a throwaway offer. So he's uh, again he seems to be one of these. We're starting to see some more talent in the JUCO, in the JUCO uh, in the JUCO system. It seems to be recovering from COVID and getting more kids, more more kids in from the uh, from COVID and some of the other things where kids basically lost a year and a half. Um, some kids kind of got lost in the system. The academics uh, situation for a lot of kids was was messy at best. So he looks like one of these kids that sort of has got lost in the COVID shuffle and has reappeared. And he's, I believe he's a full qualifier out of high school. That's why he can leave Butler early without graduating. And UGA wanted him to play a second year at JUCO and we're prepared to offer him as a take for the 20, uh, 2025 class. So they wanted to play Juco year, but he's, he's eligible to leave Butler, come to OU, enroll in June. And he played, he played some. We saw some. He played some last year. He doesn't have like the world's longest stat line, but you know, our, our, our inside sources are saying OU loves this kid and loves his potential. So it's, it's an interesting mix, and we're going to let Caleb – you know, have a little space in our next in our next big segment to talk about an evaluation on him. But he he is part of the 23 class, I guess you would say. And since he's a JUCO edition and, you know, OU had some luck with this in the past. Uh, the most famous one being that OU um, uh, pulled Lane Johnson out of a, out of a Texas JUCO when he when he had slipped through the recruiting cracks and he joined OU um, after a year at JUCO and then um, moved on to OU because he was a full qualifier to high school. So I'm, I'm not saying he's going to go on to become um, as, as great a player as Lane Johnson is, but there's definitely, um, you know, there's, this, is, this occurred in the past, even back in, way back in the recruiting machine, Jerry Sh Jeremy Shockey at NEO uh, was a full qualifier out of ADA and went to NEO, had a great year. OU was trying to recruit him. And Miami, Florida, uh, the the Hurricanes found out that he could leave JUCO, and he and he basically left NEO uh, to go play uh, to go on to be an All American tight end at, at Miami, Florida. So there are there are instances where this happens, and the and the players blow up and are big time additions. So that's that's the news on the commit.
Well, Jenkins is a, a Juco guy. Um, there's been some portal guys that OU has been taking a look at. We're hoping this might be the end of the portal um, talk on this podcast uh, and with OU. Uh, those players that have committed elsewhere are both wide receivers. Jordan Tyson, uh, he committed to Arizona State, uh, the former Colorado Buffalo. And Keon Coleman is another guy that OU was taking a look at. The wide receiver from Michigan State has verbal to Florida State recently. Uh, so OU misses out on those two guys. Uh, we're unsure if they're going to go after another receiver. Uh, Chris, is is there any news I'm missing in the portal? Well, um, a Pittsburgh State um, wide receiver, Christian Carter, um, is now in the portal. And he was a slot guy for them, I believe. And he had like 1,200 yards receiving. So he's very productive, obviously at a lower level of football, but very productive. And um, he appears to be from high school. He played at Lee's Summit North in Missouri, which um, uh, is Jamar Mosey's high school. Uh, he's the head coach there. And OU obviously has Caden Green and is recruiting Williams Winery and recruiting Isaiah Mosey as well, Jamar's son. So uh, I believe Emmett Jones is following him, but Emmett Jones follows all kinds of receivers that hit the portal that never show up in Norman or nothing happens. So uh, there's a there's a possibility that that something could break there, but it's nothing nothing being reported right now. All right, and in other high school news, Zadavian Sims, the OK Preps defensive lineman from Durant is lined up to commit tomorrow. Uh, Chris, what's what's the latest here? What's your best guess on Sims? Well, he seems to be down to probably Oregon, Oklahoma, maybe TCU, and Coach Prime seems to be somewhere floating around in this deal. Um, it's it's hard to get a read on this. A lot of the a lot of our competitors have kind of gone back and forth this week on what they think is going on. I will say um, we've, we've stayed away from kind of any predictions on this because our sources haven't given us the, haven't given us really any inside Intel on this. They've not really mentioned Sims at all. So it's been hard for us to kind of get a read on where Sims is in this D line bonanza possibility class and where he fits. But uh, Todd Bates was in Durant today. That's on Twitter. Um, the C4 guy, uh, Cooper posted it. So Todd's making one last, one last go. So, but based upon everything I think's going on, I think he's going to choose Oregon. And that's mainly, and that's mainly based upon the, the belief that he could choose Oregon now and continue to take official visits elsewhere. I mean, Michigan state was there for a while, but they've lost the, the, the key, the key assistants that were recruiting D line there and the Mel Tucker, regime has kind of taken some some hits uh lately uh, Keon Coleman being a, a big hit for them so I, I I I'd lean towards Oregon but it wouldn't shock any any of the four I mentioned wouldn't actually shock me a little breaking news on that it looks like according to the internet, which you know, you never trust the internet, but uh, that Sims, as of a couple of hours ago, had locked in, had had come out publicly that he'd locked in in an official visit to Michigan State uh, this summer. So maybe they're still 
in on it a little bit. It's uh yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an odd, it's a, it's an odd recruiting. So I think, I think that's where it is. Um, Caleb, you know, we haven't mentioned Sims a whole lot on this, on this podcast. We've been focused more with some other D linemen that we've gone over a lot. Um, can you give us just kind of your quick, quick eval on him? Yeah. Uh, he's an interesting guy. Uh, <laughs> one term that comes to mind, uh, and it, I think it's fair, is look a little bit like Tarzan, play a little bit like Jane. You know, he is 6'4", 270, very little, very, very little bad weight. Extremely lean, muscled up kid, and you see him in, in workout videos. And I think so. that's my concern with him. Everything that you love is in T-shirts. Everything you love is in shorts. Everything you love is going through cone drills and going through bags. When you turn the tape on, it's not, it does not match what you expect from what you see physically. It just doesn't. He's not extremely disruptive, just destroying offensive lines and, and everything, trying to work around him. Now, it's not to say he does not make plays. He does. It's not to say he's not a good football player. He is. But, you know, to that point, if you take his film and you stack it up with so many other guys, and, and, I, and I think I pointed this out on the board, uh, and, and it's a guy, he's committed to North Carolina, so it, it's not that Oklahoma, he's a Oklahoma offer, right? But Peter Pisansky, uh, kid out of Tampa, Florida, he's not even ranked by any of the services, I don't believe, as a top 250 player. But, you know, you pop his film on as a defensive tackle and you compare it to Sims and you're going, how was one kid top 100 and the other kid's not ranked? Doesn't make any sense at all. And I would say, okay, well, the other kid's maybe an inch taller and maybe he's five pounds heavier. Actually, he's less than five pounds lighter. The concern for me with Sims is it's a little bit, uh, a lot of image, not a lot of substance, you know. And I would say I've seen a lot of folks that have kind of railed on Todd Bates for how things went last year. And they're wanting to kind of get pitchforks out again for, you know, the potential that Todd Bates misses on what they say is an in-state you know, defensive tackle. And it's just, I would just say all those folks, you know, just be quiet. Like it, it's just really ignorant to say that that's the nicest way I can say it. Right. I talked about this last year. I mean, what did the region produce one defensive tackle? Was it just one? Was it just, you know, uh, the kid that went to A&M, the five-star, right? Yeah, X, I mean, X. so you're like, Hey, if we're going to get a top defensive tackle, that's within, I mean, God, Houston's nine hours from Norman, right? Like, if we're going to get one kid, that's that's who you're going to go. And, and when I watch uh, Sims, I just think there's a lot of other guys in this class uh, that you would take. My concern, even I would be pretty candid in saying this, my concern with Oklahoma recruiting Sims, you know, apparently fairly hard, is are they doing that because of a public perception? Are they doing that because he is a kid at C4 and he's a kid that's considered an in-state kid and because he's ranked high from these services, hey, we've got to do this because, you know, there's a perception around that. And, you know, I guess I, I, I would hope that would not be the case. 
because I think in the end, what plays out is, you know, everybody can look back on Corey Roberson. There was a big perception around him because Alabama offered him and pushed pretty hard. Oklahoma won him, and it was, hey, Oklahoma's turning the tide. You, you move down five years, the kid played in about 150 snaps in Norman. 99% of those snaps were, you know, mop-up duty. He may have flashed against Texas Tech third team in a blowout, you know, but just never did much and i'll be honest i you know his and he was a really dominant high school football player before he tore his acl uh you know there in the houston area uh cory roberson and i think cory roberson to me and sims they're pretty similar you know they're both a little bit more narrow at the shoulder guys that you know probably aren't you know there's not this naturally going to carry uh you know 300 pounds and and make it look like they're carrying 270 pounds like like some guys do uh and maybe a little bit more higher waisted and, and, you know, that doesn't lend itself to being a natural knee bender and naturally being explosive. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the things again, about another guy like Benedict Yuma, uh, that, that you know, there's a, there's a difference there in, in their ability to bend, uh, and explode out. I, you know, if, if Oklahoma ends up landing Sims, uh, and we talked about this on the board as well, Right. You are hoping that he develops into you know, a beast inside because you don't see it on film. You're hoping that he develops the attitude, that he develops the nasty, that he develops the motor, that he develops all of that stuff. And, and you know, I've probably a little gun shy because for the past decade, almost since Brent Venables left Norman, every the majority of times Oklahoma signed a, a kid that was considered a top defender. We were left going, well, the film's not great where all these teams backed off, but all these skills are there. And we hope that those skills will get developed. And if those things get developed and if he, the light comes on, he can be really good. And, uh, and you know, I think we just be careful of, of <laughs> trying to build a great defensive line on, I hope, and if, and in those words. Just a minor counterpoint to Caleb. I do think he he looks he's he looks powerful, but he doesn't look very explosive. That's what I would that's what I would say. He looks yeah, look good. So and he's playing a lot of defensive end last year, and I think he was around two forty five, you know, two fifty. So he hopefully they'll move him inside and play him strictly at defensive tackle now that he's six four two eighty. So I think there's a chance he could have a very good senior year, look better at defensive tackle. But yeah, right now he just. You put his tape against McKinley, Stone, Smith, Ajanye, Mary. It's 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 just not there. It's just not there. I, you know, if someone was asking that, I said I just put up the huddle film of, of Dominic McKinley. And I said, watch this guy, and then watch, and then watch. And it's the Durant thing that I think has got some people that you know. It's 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 a it's they didn't play a great they don't play a great schedule. Um, it's not usually where we find lots of division one football players. Um, at least not lately, Oklahoma, that part of Oklahoma has not been producing a lot of elite D one talent lately. Yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of the concern. Um, again, does he look good on the hoof? Yeah. Does he fill out an OU crimson and cream, uh, you football, football uniform brilliantly? Yeah, he does. He looks great, but you know, so I think there's two sides of that and it's, it's the risk in recruiting, right? I mean, yeah, because you are projecting. 
because you're projecting he's, he's grown, he's bigger. If they play him at the right spot, he could, and if they play him at the right spot, all of a sudden, you know, we, in October, we could be saying, yeah, we just watched Zadavian Sims senior film, man, that, that, that kid has, has started to put it all together. So. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's really fair because I mean, the reality is, you know, you are, you are, if he, you know, goes to college, right. You're looking at what does 20, year old Xavier Sims or 19 because I've heard he's really young, like only 16 right now. Yeah. What does, you know, 19 year old or 20 year old Sims look like versus the 16 year old version of him. Right. And again, my, my only thing on that is it's pretty rare in my experience of whether, whether it was, you know, uh, in, in playing or, you know, working with the team or just as a fan watching it, it's been really rare that you see guys that as particularly that position, right? Like, so defensive lineman, if you're not a big bully, that's just beating on kids when you're the biggest, strongest, fastest, best one of them, it's pretty rare that as that level goes up and now you're not, and now the guy across from you is actually bigger and stronger and just, just, you know, and it comes down to that. It's usually rare that those guys just, you know, that, that flip, that, that yeah. switch flips mentally for them. And the other thing is I always, I keep the struggle is, uh, and you nailed on this was, uh, the competition at Durant and, you know, McAllister is in their I think district or it's one of their by district games. And it was, so it's hard for me to look at and say, okay, Oklahoma took Eric McCarty. Eric McCarty was ranked extremely low by every service yet for two years or almost three years. He's one of the most dominant high school football players on tape that you'd watch, whether it's a quarterback, wildcat quarterback, running back at safety, he's all over the field dominating everybody he plays. And then I'm watching Smith with playing the same, exact same competition, right? So like, again, it's like same district. And I don't see that. It's like, help me understand how one guy's top 100. The other guy is probably ranked in the 700s. Uh, it's difficult. Yeah. All right. So I think some of those questions are why our sources and our discussion on the board feel like he's a little bit lower on the priority list at defensive line. Um, so we'll see what happens tomorrow. And I've got a, a question for you guys. He's committing tomorrow. We've got a, a couple big weekends coming up in the next few weeks. If Sim verbals to, say, Oregon, but he continues to take visits like he's been saying he will, would you let him visit for, say, that big June uh, 16th barbecue weekend? Where, where, where uh, he's, supposed, he's supposed to visit that weekend, allegedly. Would you allow that to still happen if he is an Oregon duck come tomorrow, I'm I, honestly, I'm not sure there's, I think there's two sides to it. He's an OU or is he, he's an Oklahoma guy. He's probably friends with some of these guys by now been around some of them, but then now he's committed to a different school. So how do those kids perceive him now? And it's not like Oregon or say maybe Michigan state, are huge recruiting rivals of Oklahoma. So I don't think it'd be something where you let him come in. He's probably not going to recruit for, uh, for Oregon while he's at OU. So I, I see two sides to it, but I, I'm still not sure what I, what I would say. I mean, Chris, what, what would you do? Well, if I was Brent, I would, I would very politely say, yeah, we need to, you need to go through your visits and decide what you're doing 
and come back to us and, and we'll set up if you still want to visit Oklahoma and you're and you're still verbaled and you're unsure about your verbal let's let's talk in September and have you you're at Durant you can quickly come up for one of our early home games uh, a night game in September why don't you come up for a night game in September I would not you say Oregon Noary Stone any a bunch of the kids that we're trying to recruit and trying to close on all have Oregon on that list uh, Oregon is is very powerful from an NIL perspective. I'll just leave it at that. And I I would not I would if I was Brent I would say it seems you're pretty unsure what's going on. Uh, why don't you finish your other visits? And if you decide you still want to visit Oklahoma, we're we're very much interested in with interested in you. And um, you know, we'll see we'll see if this we'll see if we can make a match in September. It just seems like you're confused right now, and we we would prefer to get you prefer to prefer you try and clear your head a little bit take some take some more visits and decide decide what you're doing that's if i was brent that's how i would play it especially when you think you have some better targets at well, or, or different or different targets maybe targets that aren't rated higher than than um sims but are higher rated on the OU board you know personally i i i would I would play out the Dominic McKinley string at defensive tackle for as long as possible. I mean, he's a Sims is a D tackle. He's not a defensive end. He doesn't have that burst, that quick twitch off the line. He's a powerful kid, but so he's a defensive tackle. So if I was OU, I'd be like, you know, I've got David Stone and Dominic McKinley on campus uh, June 16th. And, Todd, and speaking, Todd, and Todd speaking Bates, of Todd Bates is a little busy. So speaking of David Stone, we just got pinged that uh, a prediction did just come through a rivals future cast from yeah. uh, John Garcia. He's that brand David brand, Stone. Yeah, he's that brand new Florida guy. So he he was at IMG's spring practice drill thing where Stone's just beating people up and dominating again. So, yeah, so that's that's my long winded answer. IMG has uh, been good for Stone. IMG's yeah, been really yeah, good for yeah. Stone. But, that, but that's what I that's if I was Brent Venables, I'd be I'd be playing like the father, the father role, which I think is probably pretty honest from him. Like, look, you don't you just made this big deal to verbal somewhere and now you're you're taking four visits. How does that work? Uh, yeah, I would fall almost exactly in line with uh with what Chris says there. I, I think there and for me, there's there's two parts to that. One you're limited on the number of official visits you have uh, with portal being what it is, potential transfers, anything can happen. We saw this past year, as you get later into the cycle, having those uh, official visits in your, you know, in your pocket when a kid hits that, Hey, we, you know, fast forward and Oklahoma is going to need a defensive tackle going into 24 because of the number of, you know, uh, senior veteran defensive tackles that are going to leave. And maybe a kid, you know, that's a great player at a group five enters and you needed that official visit to get him on campus in January. And I'm sorry, in December. Right. And you've used it on, on Sims, just coming in for the barbecue. And so you gotta, you gotta, it's resource allocation there for me. And, and, and the other part of that, you know, is again, a kind of a, a and it goes right in with everything Chris said, you know, let that play out a little bit more and see where you stack up. 
I'm, I would not be opposed if he took that that, a visit, that official visit in October, November, if he just wasn't sure. And let's say Oklahoma misses on a couple of kids or they've got some room opened up. And then, you you know, just continue to recruit them, you know, do what Oklahoma does, build a relationship. And then you come on the back end and say, hey, if you're still interested, let's get you in uh, and we can bring you up for a visit. Uh, and you've then you've also had the time there to look at his senior tape as well as a bunch of other guys. You know, because I mean, I, there's been tape that came out of Liam Andrews, which Oklahoma's recruited as an offensive lineman, of just him working at defensive line, and he's a big kid that plays defensive end and a lot like Sims, right? Uh, just maybe a little bit bigger, but plays defensive end and offensive tackle, and he he he'd like the ability to play defensive tackle. I think you know you've got the ability you can be flexible and shift for Oklahoma and say, Hey, let's, let's use this on some other kids. And, and, and maybe a guy like Liam Andrews, you say, look, we look really good at, at tackling some other guys. Let's get you in here. And, and we're open to you playing defensive tackle. And then in other okay preps news, other defensive line news, like your guys are saying, let some of this play out. Well, a name that we've kind of forgotten about for the most part and written off is circling back to Oklahoma. It is a Tulsa area prospect, Daniel Okoye. He was on campus today. Uh, if, if you've been on Sooners 360 today, you saw our note earlier uh, that he was on campus. He was talking to coaches. Uh, later, some pictures did come out from a photo shoot. So we know that all is true. Six foot five, 230, four star top 100 composite. Chris, are, are we circling back to him? Is he circling back to us? What do you think's going on there? I think it's a little bit of both. So his mom, I mean, he says, he said this in multiple interviews, basically said, you're not going to OU. I don't want you to go to OU. Big, o, big OSU fans. And so, you know, I think Okoye was like, well, I'm not going to fight that kind of headwind. And I think OU was like, well, you know, as much as we'd love to to heavily recruit you, we're 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 not winning that battle. Mom, mom, moms don't lose those kind of recruiting battles very often when they put their foot down. You know, Peyton Bowen's mom kind of did, but generally they don't lose those battles. So it seems like something has kind of gone wrong with him and OSU because he doesn't seem very interested in OSU any longer. So I think. I, I, and I can't speak to any of that. I don't have, we don't have any details, no insider information on that. So I think he's basically sort of contacted OU and said, Hey, my mom would actually let me go to OU. And then OU's like, well, if that's the case, let's, 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 let's talk, let's talk every week. Let's, let's start talking. And, and I think that's actually clicked with him. And OU's like, if you got some free time, come down to Norman. It's an easy trip from Tulsa which is always baffling why OU sort of has these weird Tulsa battles sometimes, but he's, he's on campus. Uh, our sources say he looks like a million dollars. He looks like an sec defensive rush end. Um, the kids six, five, two forty, um, power lifting something like 600 pounds. It's just a throwaway comment I saw from somebody. So, so Barry, please, I'm apologizing. No body, no body fat on the guy. Yeah, he looks, he's he's built, and he apparently does backflips in his in his in his football uniform. I saw I saw like a Instagram video of that somebody had posted. So of him, so he's again, he's gonna be a top 100 composite. A couple of the services haven't got him ranked where they are. On three, has him as the number 63 player of the nation. I think I think that number's right. So he's. 
he's he's he, and he's and he's a real fit for what OU wants to do when you watch his uh, his film. But we're gonna let we're gonna we're gonna go a little more in depth on Daniel in our next segment. And let and let Caleb um, Caleb gush a little bit because if you guys remember, we haven't talked about Daniel much in this podcast, but we did a ranking uh recap from one of the services and the number one thing we said was that daniel okoya both caleb and i said wasn't ranked high enough they was he was at like 225 and we're like it's not gonna owe you we you know but he's not ranked high enough so this is a very interesting he's about to drop a top five i think Uh, he's mentioned that online if and if he schedules an ou visit it's game on this 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 could be an interesting piece uh, added to the OU uh, to the OU sort of I got to make a class prediction and this this disrupts things could potentially disrupt things quite a bit all right and before we get to that next segment where we'll break down Jenkins we'll we'll break down Okoye a little bit more Chris there's been a flurry of new offers lately uh, you just want to kind of run through some of those real quick yeah so some some new names to note the first one is a JUCO cornerback called Demetrius Freeney Jr. He's a JUCO out in California. And he, like Lane Jenkins, is a full qualifier. So he could enroll at OU in June, play this fall. And he's visiting OU May 25th, according to uh, 247 Brandon Huffman, who does a great job for them covering West Coast stuff. And he's posted that on Twitter just before we started recording. So he's 6'2", 190. I, I like his film. Uh, he looks, he looks, he looks good. And OU has been after another, after a cornerback and he would have three years to play like Jenkins. And OU has been after a cornerback. They lost out on the Louisiana cornerback Amos to Trey Amos, I think is his name, who, uh, who went to Bama. Um, and OU really wanted, really wanted him. And and that was up and, and he and just lost out of him. He basically went to Bama because, you know, uh, Bama's, Bama's weirdly, weirdly adding, uh, depth pieces in spring it's if I was a Bama fan I'd be wondering a little bit what's going on there but we're not a we're not the Bama podcast we're the the OU podcast so and then they've offered uh, the rest of these guys are all 24 kids the first one is Santana Wilson he's a cornerback from Arizona uh, six foot 190 180 180 pounds probably um, it's interesting going back to Arizona with that offer I just wonder if perhaps um when they were tracking Newcomb, they they saw Wilson on tape, and then Jamar Grimsley is a cornerback athlete from Tampa Catholic, Lewis Carter's stomping grounds, old stomping grounds. And again, I wonder if the Tampa Catholic coaches have been like, "Hey, we've got a guy we used all over the field last year. If he focuses at a position, he could be he could be something else." He's starting to get a lot of offers too. He's six three, one eighty, so he's got real length to him. And then there's two linebackers uh, of note. The first one is a linebacker from North Carolina. His name is James Nesta. He's 6'4", 210. Getting a lot of offers, a lot of attention. He's also a baseball prospect, I think. Been banded around that he's got like a 90-plus fastball, so not sure where that fits in. But OU Baseball obviously has a much better – OU Baseball has proved they'll work with football players and has a much better profile than it had a couple of years ago. Um, Skip has that program in – after that championship run in much better shape. And then the the real wild card is Easton Baker. He's a linebacker from Utah. He's about 6'2", 210. He was a BYU commitment. 
And he's, I think he's going to coming in sometime in June for an official visit. So that's the, that's the blur of 24, 20 of 24 offers, which are is the most relevant stuff. Oh, he's been doing some stuff in 25 and we'll get to that at some point where we have a lull, but everything's, everything's cruising. It's, it's all 24, unless it's a 23 midterm, everything's on 24 for our podcast for the next, for at least the next six weeks. So that's uh, that's the new names of note. All right. Well, that wraps up kind of the news segment. Uh, I know we had a little bit of analysis in there on Sims, but uh, we're going to circle back to a lot of these names, uh, bring Caleb in for his analysis. I know Chris has some thoughts as well. Uh, let's go ahead and start Caleb Lane Jenkins. We, I think we like him uh, Juco guy, qual- full qualifier. Uh, he's got, we think four years to play three. Uh, what does he bring to the defensive end position? Well, I, you know, I think there's kind of maybe two talking points. When you think of that, you know, what he brings individually and then what he kind of brings to the whole, uh, the, that room, you know, and to kind of speak to that part of it first, I think he, and it's something I've absolutely, uh, I've been really uh, impressed, I guess, with Brent's, full focus of developing the entire roster and not just, uh, you know, I think there's some coaches that will utilize the portal and and they're just trying to, Hey, they're very narrowly focused on let's try to win this year. And then we'll use the portal to figure, figure out next year. I think in some ways lane Kiffin and, uh, and, and Riley are, are very much that way, where I think there's some neglect going into what they're signing on the back end, how they're filling roster holes across the entirety of their roster. Uh, and, you know, I think what he brings there is, you know, Oklahoma's got potentially have some holes to fill at defensive end, uh, you know, uh, particularly for, especially from a depth perspective, right? So Rondell Bothroyd, he's a, he's a one-year transfer in from Wake Forest. Trace Ford does have two years. The way he talks, he would really like to, it appears, have the great, fully healthy 2023 and then move to the NFL. You know, so I think what Lane brings is he helps fill that roster space in. Right. He's a uh, six, five, six, six. I know he's listed at two fifty five. I don't think that's close to being accurate. I think he's probably closer to two forty. But I think what you see on film is a long, twitchy edge rusher. Oklahoma has not had a lot of guys at defensive end that have been that, to be quite honest. It's been if you really look at, you know, uh, that position, even some of the better uh you know, years, you was more of, you know, guys like Austin English, uh, Jeremy Beal, guys that were 6'2", 6'3", and, you know, just really got after it. I think he's got some potential there, continue to get stronger in his upper body, get stronger with his hands. But when you watch him, he's a twitchy guy off the edge, doesn't have any problem getting the corner on a tackle, turning the corner, uh, you know, dipping uh, and, and getting low and, 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 really rushing the quarterback in we've talked a ton about this whether it's been on 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 the board some of the articles that we've had uh written about you know as it relates to you know previews for this team's uh 2023 season that is one of the critical things oklahoma missed last year is pass rushers that on third down and particularly late in games when they're leading uh, you know or fighting you need guys that can heat the quarterback up. 
in a lot of ways, that's what helped Oklahoma in 2021 under Riley. That's what helped them escape in those, whatever it was, six games that were decided by, you know, single digits by a touchdown or less is they had Benito. They had Isaiah Thomas. They had Winfrey. They had guys that could heat people up. Uh, And that's, you know, what closed down those games like Iowa State. So I think – Best case scenario is he adds a a depth piece as another situational pass rusher that Oklahoma can lean on in 2023. And I think worst case scenario is you've got a guy that who he's older, he is already more developed. Uh, he's gone through it, going going through COVID the way a lot of these kids did, falling in through the cracks, but not letting that deter him. It goes to JUCO, gets after it, and uh, I think worst case scenario is you use that as a as a as a redshirt year, just continue to develop them physically and you know on the field. And you've got a guy that comes in in twenty twenty four who's you know a redshirt sophomore, uh, older guy that can compete to be a compete to be a potential starter uh, or just continue to add a, another rotational piece at, on the edge. All right, Chris, I know I know you had some input on Jenkins. Uh, you dug up some old high school film of him. W- what are your thoughts on him going back to high school as a prospect? Yeah, I found his his sophomore year film at, at Naperville at Naqua High School. And he looks really good. There's footage of him. It's a it's a long 10-minute huddle video. And I'm like, okay. But it's it's video of him at defensive end and at tight end. At defensive end, he's he's flashing everything that we've seen in this recent footage from Butler. He's, he's got a great frame. I mean, I mean, when you look at him, I mean, the, the kid looks like he's got, he's, if he's six, six, he has like a near seven foot wingspan, right? That kid's got a long, long reach and he does really well. And his high school footage is great. It's like, wow. How did, how this could fall on the radar? He's playing defensive end, very athletic, explosive. And then he plays tight end and he's very coordinated, a very fluid, big athlete making big plays in their passing game. So I was, <clears throat> I was very encouraged when I looked at his high school film, realizing that it was, it was the last film probably before COVID and everything else kind of went astray that, you know, this kid just fell through, the, he just fell through the cracks. This is a, in high school, you look at his film and you'd be like, yeah, I, I, I can see why he'd be worth an offer. He's what, 6'5", 210? Yeah, I, that's, that's, that, there's a lot of athlete there. So I think, this, this may be OU has, through their connections at Butler, I know you've always, always had a good relationship with the Kansas Jucos, especially Brent. Brent's a Kansas Juco guy, Garden City, Hall of Fame guy. So uh, from his time at K-State, he's, he's got connections there. So I think they basically got a, OU got tipped off and all credit to Coach Chavis and Coach Bates for for going up to Butler and watching the kid and realizing that, you know, he's a piece that could really help. And to, to um, Caleb's point, OU loses Grimes, um, Stripling, you know, there's four defensive ends that are coming off the roster uh, at the end of this year. And Taylor wine is probably a red shirt. He hasn't even been on campus yet. He's probably red shirting. So you're really talking about really only three guys that could be, that, that could be have any playing experience next fall and RMT PJ and, um, and Ethan downs. So that's what you're looking at. And so adding this guy to the mix, uh, it's, it's a win-win to me. He's a red shirt. So you develop him or he gets on campus and, and he's, he's providing pass rush. 
the critical pass rushing reps, right? The fourth, fourth quarter, third quarter, you're able to rest RMT and Bothroyd and, and trace forward a little bit. This guy's giving you key reps in the third, in the third quarter. So our key guys aren't just dead on their feet in the fourth. So uh, it's an yeah. interest. It's an interesting addition from that standpoint. It reminds me of a, there's a similar story, uh, you know, and just in terms of his, his road to, to Oklahoma, you know, I think Randy Gregory was a guy uh, out of like, I think the Indianapolis area, six, five undersized 210 pounds in high school, good basketball player, good football player, couldn't get into Purdue, went to a junior college, ends up at Nebraska plays two years there, I think as an all American and one of them. And is uh, I think he was a, second round pick by the Cowboys, uh, you know, when he's not been in trouble, he's had a good NFL career, but you know, there's a lot of times and it goes back, you know, just, uh, Brent talks about it, it's a developmental game. And, uh, while I don't know that he's 255, he looks 245 because, you know, to, to your point, he's six, six long and it's a well-built, it's a well-built weight. Yeah. He's, uh, he's kind of a more, he's a, uh, more high cut guy, uh, kind of leads, leads himself to be a little more, you know, kind of twitchy fiber. And, uh, I, you know, fingers crossed, fingers crossed that he comes in and just again, like with this, what Brent's doing is he's, he's wanting to build competitive depth. They're not going to rest on hope, you know, hope this true freshman can give us something. It's, uh, we've got a scholarship and here's a great player. Let's, you know, a lot of potential. Let's get him. So it seems like guys like Jenkins with that potential, he's got three years to play. Is this, it, it seems like this is a common trend now with these Juco guys we're adding, with the spring portal guys we're adding. You know, it, Chris, do you, do you see that this is playing into more of a class balancing act than just targeting specific guys they like? Are they going after these guys specifically with more eligibility than, say, a portal guy who's a graduate who has one year to play? Yeah, it's interesting because post-spring, post-spring, right, lots of teams are adding lots of players. It's really kind of crazy what's gonna, going on in college football. FSU's adding a lot of guys, Oregon, Miami. They're adding a lot of players. Um, but what OU seems to be doing, so you think Brennan Thompson, right? three-year wide receiver, top 100 player in the nation. If Emmett Jones gets that pointed in the right direction, it's going to be ugly on Texas message boards uh, if that happens. And then you look at uh, you look at Lane, Lane Jenkins. He has three years. Oh, you picked up Troy Everett, the center from App State. He had three years. He has three years to play. Um, and then you look at they wanted to get the other offensive lineman, Josh Simmons from San Diego State. Again, another guy with three years to play. Uh, they've offered this Demetrius uh, Freeney cornerback. He had three, he has three years. And now you're looking at, you know, so basically when you, you see the pieces they're adding, they're all players that are sort of class balancing. So I wonder if it's a little bit of Brent look, took a big picture view of his roster and realized the two classes before I got here are like have cratered in terms of transfers and not playing, not, not very good players that they weren't making an impact at OU. So rather than just adding five more seniors, I, which would give OU almost like 50, 30 seniors, sorry. 
I'm going to spread those ships out with guys who can give me two, three years so that next fall, I'm not so reliant on the 23 and the 24 recruiting class to fill every single gap on the team, right? Because of the, because the 21 class, the 20 and the 22 class, just, you know, we're smaller classes and we've seen a lot of attrition. I mean, Cavante Henry, no longer a Sooner. Okay. Lane Jenkins fills that. Uh, Jamarius Burt, no longer a Sooner. Uh, possibly uh, Freeney can fill that. Uh, the wide receiver group, obviously, we know we've had problems there with defections and, and not signing enough wide receivers. So I think, I think he's doing that. Now, the question is, if these guys are surpassed by some of the 23, 24 kids, are we, is OU stuck with more guys that can't, um, guys that can't make a dent in the roster? And, are OU, and, and since these guys have three years of eligibility, you're now, you're now sort of stuck with these guys. So, um, Matt, Caleb, what, what, do you, what do you think of that, of that difference between, you know, because Bothroyd's like a one-year fix. Rouse is a one-year fix. All the one-year fix guys seem to – Pearson, one-year fix, seem to show up last December, and now it looks like Brent's kind of taking a bigger view of the roster. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that's a big piece of it. I think there's probably some layers that you could put on top of it that have that relate to some of the things you talked about earlier, like COVID, right? How that's just going to continue for a number of years to ripple through college football at multiple levels because there were so many states that were shut down. So kids that just did not get recruited that, you know, whatever it is, landed at a division two school, landed at a one double A, landed at a group of five. Well, their development stalled, right? They didn't get their senior year. Exactly. Couldn't, especially offensive linemen couldn't work out, Mm -hmm. you know, just so much of the, of the normal process was blown up. Yeah. And now in some way, so they've gone the long track to power five football and they're going to, they're cycling back in like Troy Everett might be a good example of a guy that normally ends up at North Carolina, North Carolina state or a Clemson, but you know, they can't get out on the, on the road. They can't scout them. They don't know. So he doesn't get their development pipeline. He does app state and he's just kind of circling back around. So I think that's maybe part of it. I also think that Brent uh, every staff does, and I actually think we'll see a resurgence in some ways of junior college football because of the portal. I know that probably sounds like, really? Are you sure? I, the reason I think that is, uh, and he saw this a lot of the Colorado kids that hit the portal, there was those jokes being thrown out where they were saying, I can't get my film. And people were saying, well, you don't actually have film. You have a couple of clips from practice when you guys were doing individual work. Like, <laughs> that's your film. That's not really film. I think every coach in the world is going to value game production. And when they can click on a junior college film or, you know, that lower level and see you, you know, you can click on North Carolina and Texas A&M film for App State and you can watch Everett, you know, winning reps, competing, doing well, you know. You can click on this junior college tape for these kids and you can watch them, you know, against good players, you know, being really good. So, uh you know, I think there's, I think there's that, but I, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you that I do think Brent looked at his roster and said, 
we've got to balance this. We've had these last, I think if we're being, if we're really honest and you look at it, really every class that Riley signed, it just got progressively worse from kids not hitting and kids bailing. There are some classes that he signed where 80 and 90% never effectively uh, gave Oklahoma any high level reps, never really played in a competitive game. And, and those kids are out. And, and so he's looking at it. He's trying to build a program and he talks about the holistic approach. I don't think, I think he realizes I can't, I can't weigh this thing down with, you know, 30 seniors or 40, 30, you know, 40 kids that are a redshirt senior and a fourth year senior, and then 45 kids that are freshmen and redshirt freshmen and not have any juniors or sophomores without running into a massive issue two years down the line. I think he's getting in front of that. Maybe something he learned from his time at Kansas State with Snyder. With Snyder, he built so much through both junior college and uh, and high school recruiting. I think Brent's probably he's probably learned some things there of how you've really got to uh, take a, a full approach to your roster and not run into some of those landmines. And it's it's hard to add much to that. Um, what you guys both said, I think. To me, it seems like it's a belief in what they are building that, you know, yeah, they've got, you know, Ford and Bothroyd and a couple of those guys that can help immediately and then they'll move on hopefully to the NFL draft, which, you know, the OU logo will be on their uh, draft profile, which would be nice, but they're not adding more just to add more just to do something this fall. They're adding depth they're they're adding youth they're they're building blocks to not just next year but the the following seasons especially when they get to the sec so i i would look at it and say brent and and his staff are are believing in what they're doing they're believing in who they've got and now they're just trying to fill in those gaps with talented players that you know, some of them might be considered flyers, but, you know, Jenkins, you look at the tape, you look at the body frame, you look at his potential. That's a pretty good flyer to take. And and that's a guy that can build for your squad into the SEC. So Brent, Brent thinks he's going to be here for the long haul. He believes in what they're doing. He likes where the direction this program is going. So I think that's that's another little facet of this. But other than that, I think you guys touched on on pretty much, you know, everything that uh, we could talk about on this. All right. And we'll circle back to uh, do some breakdown on Daniel Okoye. I know we talked about him a little bit ago, but um, I think it's time to do a deep dive, especially now that it looks like OU has a much better chance at landing his signature than we did just uh, even a few weeks ago, again, it was almost like an afterthought, and that name started popping up again. Chris was blowing up the chat like, hey, guys, we got we got something to look at here. And then he ends up, does show up, uh, does meet with the coaches uh, this morning. Uh, we are recording uh, Friday afternoon, so he was on campus today. Uh, Caleb, what are your thoughts on Okoye as a, a pure prospect? He's one of my favorite guys in the entire class. Uh, it's something that that Chris touched on when you watch, and there was it was on Twitter. I think he may have got flagged for it, 
uh, in a game they played someone. He was one of the most violent hands you'll see in high school football. I think he got flagged just because, hey, that was – that was it was extremely. It was it was cringeworthy. Like ow. It was like yeah, everything was legal, but it's exactly. It was like hey, everything he did was legal, but that looked like he could have killed the kid. So we're gonna throw a flag because wow, that was bad. Uh, and in that, and in some clips of him playing tight end and doing things from an athletic standpoint, you're talking, uh, you know, just the genetics behind him. He reminds me of he's maybe not quite as twitchy as PJ, but it's real similar. When you would watch PJ go through those bag work, the bag work last year in the summer, it looked, I mean, it was kind of comical to me how twitchy he naturally is because it looked like sometimes he's bounding. It's like, no, he's just running. He's just that springy. He's that explosive. And even in just some natural movements and, and Danny's the exact, he's, he's very similar. He doesn't have the seven foot wingspan that PJ has. That's the one uh, almost knock. Really the only one you've got on him is I wouldn't call him sawed off in terms of his arm length, but it's not freaky. It's in line with his body, right? It's, you know, he's, he's got a, his, his wingspan is fine. He's just not a, a freak in that regard, but he's got everything else you would want for from an elite pass rusher. He's got all of those skills. He is extremely explosive. He's got high end speed and, and the short area quickness and explosion. He can turn speed to power. He's, he needs to be coached up. But then you see interviews with the kids and with the kid rather. And this is where it's really, it surprised me from the beginning. Uh, the talk of, you know, I thought he would good chance of being a sooner you know, because he's a, a Tulsa kid. And, and because everything you hear him talk about and how mature he is, it really matched up, matches up well with Brent's approach to his program and what it's about, the, you know, about character and it's about faith and the soul mission. It's about these things. And you hear him talking that, okay, he's a perfect match culturally. And then to see like, Hey, it, it likely wasn't going to go that way. I was pretty surprised. Maybe they got one of my first thoughts were, uh, did they get his mother in touch with Trace Ford's mom? Because that was kind of a similar thing there where Trace grew up in an Oklahoma State household, was going to go to Oklahoma State. And then he sat back and said, hey, what's actually the best decision when he decided to transfer for my future and you know, my ability to play in the NFL? You know, but I think Danny's probably one of the most arguably the most underrated guy by almost all the recruiting services, you know, for a recruiting comp to give you, it would go back one year and it was uh, Samuel Mpemba that signed with Georgia and for, for rivals, he was a top 10 player in the country. But when you look at just what they are physically and then the position they play, which is an edge rusher, what that position asks of those guys, Danny's got everything you'd want to be, you know, a potential All-American, and he's the type of guy, when you look at NFL rosters, they are trying to get as many of him as they possibly can. Chris, what are your thoughts on uh, circling back to Okoye? Well, again, you know, I sort of put him in the recruiting deep freeze, like, he's not going to know you. I'm not going to pay much attention to him. So this week has been kind of like a re-education on him a little bit, and he's – the level of competition is a little bit of a concern, right? Who they're playing, it's a little bit of a concern. But he's obliterating that of that competition. So um, it's it's a little mediated by that. Um, 
he's, yeah, that, that was going to be one of my questions. You know, <laughs> how much does the it's a non traditional high school route? Does that does that worry you at all? And you're saying, I mean, well, he should obliterate these guys, and guess what? He is. It does it does worry you a little bit. Um, just that maybe he's maybe maybe like the first hit, you know, a little bit of uh, talent sticker shock when he gets onto when he gets onto whatever college he goes to because. You know, he's got Tennessee, Colorado, bunch of schools after him. So uh, it does worry you a little bit that maybe he'll have a just a little bit of like, wow, can I really play with these guys? This is this step up in competition is really tough. Uh, so it, that, that worries me a little bit. But he's so if you were talking about somebody that was just a little more like, well, you know, he's just so fundamental. If there was. This is going to sound silly. If, he's, if we were talking about him like, and he's like, well, he's so fundamentally sound, right? Like, you know, he's just like, he was a middle linebacker and he was maybe a good athlete, but you're just like, oh, he's so fundamentally sound and all that, that I might worry about that. We have the step up of athletic talent, you know, like, well, they can, can he process things fast? He processes things fast enough, but is he fast enough to actually make the plays? But this kid is an absurd athlete, off the edge, flying power. He's more, he looks more powerful than PJ, not as twitchy, but he looks more powerful right now than PJ um, based upon what I'm, what I'm seeing and him dominating. But it, it does worry you a little bit now. Academically, the kid apparently is in, you know, he's probably going to end up being a midterm guy, I would guess. He's in great academic shape, so that's good. Um, so there's no worries. I don't think there's any worries there. But yeah, I mean, ideally, would you, would you love to see him play for Bixby or Jenks this fall? I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying he needs to transfer schools. Noah's been good to him. I don't know anybody yell at me. I'm just saying that, you know, if we saw him playing at Jenks, Bixby, or Broken Arrow, or Owasso, and we had that film, would I feel better? A little bit, yes. But um, he's, he's physically, he, he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a beast. He is a, he is, he's a manimal to... Uh, to if anybody remembers that terrible show in the eighties, you know, he's a, he's a manimal. He's a, if you don't know it, look it up on, on YouTube. It's, it's hysterical. Um, oh, it's like a Randy white being a manster. Uh, yeah. So this manimal, the guy turns into like Panthers and Hawks and stuff. It's a terrible show. That sounds horrible. Actually, It is absolutely terrible, but it's classic <laughs> on it. It's classic, bad television, NBC eighties, bad television. Uh, so he's, so I don't think you worry about it that much. Um, you know, I think he, he'll click just fine. I, I, I don't really see any issues there. But, you know, let's just be honest. If he, if he was doing this at Jenks, he would be a top 25 player in the nation right now. And correct me if I'm wrong, it, there, yeah. there's an offensive line prospect at Noah as well that's a little bit younger. Yeah, uh, Utley, is that right? I think that's his name. So it's not like he's, he's facing nobody in practice either. There, there's a guy who is a legit D1 prospect that he can line up against in practice too. So yeah, he hasn't been, uh, hasn't been to a lot of camps either. So um, not that I, not that I have seen nothing on social media flashing where he's at the under armor camp, destroying kids. So it's a little bit that it's a, it's a risk. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Chavis and those guys and Todd Bates and Brent Venables, you know, certainly know how to evaluate D linemen. So I, I, I don't think, uh, it's as big a concern. Well, what do you think, Caleb? Yeah, I, I don't have a big concern. 
at really at all. Uh, you know, looking at their max preps, they play some smaller schools. You know, like three A Oklahoma, uh, some some teams like that. Uh, yeah, like like Kingfisher and like they play Kingfisher esque, Millwood esque type competition uh, in some of their I guess non district until they get into their playing. But it's really actually like a national schedule of other Christian schools and private schools. Yeah, I, I really I did not have. I don't have any any qualms about that at all. Uh, you know, there's uh, what is the kid uh, by Job that played at a similar type, small private Christian school in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. You know, went to Michigan State. I mean, Timmy Tebow played at uh, you know Nice, which I think was a I think at the time was it not a private like Christian school that they they did go around and play. Yeah. You know, some some other top competition. I think he Chris. Looks, he looks better than by Job. His that junior way. film, his film yeah. looks better than by Job. He's bigger, more yeah. physical, more explosive. So yeah. just and, from that, that barometer alone, um, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe interesting to see how quickly by Job makes an impact at Michigan State. So yeah, and I know a lot of those services thought, you know, think the world of by Job. Uh so I but I think Chris, you hit on something, right? And and that is if he if there was one but not the other, I would be concerned. Like to kind of circle back to Xavier and Sims, it's like my concern is I see all the physical tools, I don't see it on tape, and he's playing you know not great competition. Well, okay, with a, with a Koye, I see every physical tool you want. Uh, again, maybe maybe not the you know massive wingspan, but I see every physical tool you could want, and I see a guy that at times you know he looks like he's he's a man playing with boys with little kids he does some things out there where you're like Ugh, they kind of have having to rein him back you know he's that he's that kid uh at you know and pop warner that the mom for the opposing team is bringing the scale to make sure he's under the weight limit to be able to run the ball and that they're checking birth certificates uh he's, he's that kind of dominant so you know he just dominates all the kids he plays against and, and then all the physical that you would look for he checks all those boxes you know that maybe there's some concern of uh as, as he gets against really elite competition every single day does it just take him a little bit to adjust to that uh, you know, but, you know, I think that's where there's a benefit of playing that edge position and you can bring those like that, those kids, you can bring them along. You can say, okay, we're not going to put you in a lot of positions where you've got to just, you know, you've got to anchor down against a, a tackle or we're not going to push you in a position where you're going to be, be getting chipped by a tight end and, and, and you know, work by the tackle on a double as they're running outside zone. We're not going to do that. First year, we're going to put you in when it's a known pass press position, you know, play, and we're going to put you out there on the edge. It's you one-on-one against that tackle. Go beat his ass. And I think that's, you know, he can do that all day. Yeah, I just watched while we were talking, I had his, his highlight reel going. I think he broke like three clavicles in, 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 in footage because when he slams, the, you know, if you remember the Sam Bradford, you know, slam on the, in the death shoulder, death star shoulder. Too soon. Uh, <laughs> Too soon. BYU. He, he, he's, he's, I saw him like slam about four or five quarterbacks. I'm like, yeah, a couple of those guys have got like broken, have, you know, have like, have that clavicle ulnar or whatever. Um, the clavicle, uh, uh, injury. I'm like, yeah, he's, he's hurt. He's hurting people. He's maybe hurting people out there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to see, you know, he's a short drive away, so he could take a few more unofficials, 
We'll see if he does schedule an official visit, uh, maybe even in the coming weeks with some of these other guys. Because <clears throat> Chris Caleb, it's it's officially official visit season for OU. Three big weekends coming up. We've talked about him a, a couple times over the last month or so, um, but it, it's it's right around the corner. What what does this time of year mean for OU recruiting fans? Panic. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, like this week, Bryant Wesco and I think Winery and somebody else are in are are some are at USC. Um, it's. It's, I mean, the kids are all going to have great times at their official visits, right? So we got to, OU's going to have to, OU's not do, really bringing kids in this week or next week or June 2nd or sorry, ju- yeah, June 2nd. That sounds about right. Um, so they're not bringing, you know, not going to bring anybody in over Memorial Day weekend other than uh, they're going to try and bring in the free knee kid right before it starts. So June, we're going to see a lot. I mean, it's going to get, it's going to, I mean, kids are going to drop visits, replace visits. We're going to hear that every one of the guys that we've been trying to tell you, they'll use a great position on some other school is going to say he had a great visit here. He's now trending to us. Um, the kids all are going to be gushing about the official visits. It's going to be glitz, glamour. We're going to get to see David Stone in Lamborghinis, Bentleys, um, orange Bentleys, green Bentleys, um, you know, Crimson Alabama Crimson Range Rovers, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be it's well, it was it's always be, Dodge Chargers. It was it's Dodge Chargers. That, that was before nil. That's yeah, what they yeah, gave everyone that's before, before nil. Yeah. That was their, so, their that was NIL. their car. Everyone you know, the, I, you get a car. It's like Oprah. You get a car. You get a car. Um, so 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 Matt, it's gonna be if you're a recruiting guy, like really follows recruiting. I got to give you the Aaron Rodgers. Relax. June is going to be frantic and then we'll get to July and things will clear up a little bit, but June is going to be a, a, a hailstorm of, Oh, you getting great, great buzz from kids visiting. And then kid goes to it somewhere else, more great buzz. But I think July, August are where we're going to see all of these commits start to happen. And it's all going to be set up by June, but there are going to be kids. I mean, we're, you know, this is last year. I think we got what, like five lock symbols in from an event, and we were trying to track what the locks were and who were the locks. I don't know if Brent will do that again, but you know, you're going to have lots of sites saying, "Hey, we know that OU's picked up four kids. We can't tell you the names because we're not going to ruin the kids' event." Um, we've already got one of those on our site, so it's. Be prepared, and, and there's going to be rumors flying around. Kids have canceled visits, and they're not really on, you know, Williams Ranieri didn't really visit OU, and even though there's an Instagram photo of him in an OU jersey, you know, with Brent Venables in his office. So it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. So you, if, you're, if you're panicky, um, it, it might be time to get some Xanax from your, from your doctor of choice. <laughs> Weather the storm over the next two months. Because what kid goes on an official visit and say, well, that was boring. The steak sucked. Uh, the lobster you know. <laughs> was terrible. Yeah. So, the, you know, the, the three, the three, the three uh, freshman girls that, that showed me around the business building were, you know, were, were unattractive and not very friendly. I mean, none of this is. And Georgia still use, utilize their, that service after what occurred 
uh, post the national championship celebration. That That's might actually get everybody. Old. That might get everybody a leg up now that they can't utilize that. Maybe they, they'll they'll still find a way around it, right? They're yeah. just gonna they're gonna pay off uh, the dad. Yeah, that, just, that, that's that. We could do a whole podcast on the Georgia lawsuit um, uh, and and infuriate SEC, SEC fans everywhere. Even though we're going to be SEC fans in a year, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> but but you know, Caleb, to your point, it's going to be, it's going to be great. And Matt, you're right. It's 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 going to be crazy. Like we've already had it hadn't even started. We've already had uh, dually websites over where Williams Winery is going to visit. No, it's the 16th. No, it's the 9th. No, it's yeah. the ninth. No, it's the sixteenth. And now we've got some that are switching like narrative around. Hey, it's got to be the sixteenth. If it's not, yeah. it's a bad and then, sign. Then it's, then and now it's the ninth. It's like, hey, it's fine. That's fine. So it's <laughs> it's and the and the sites are all you know and the sites are all. I mean, you know, if we get if we get any kind of insider scoop, we're going to be hitting our message board with it. You know, we got some we got some linebacker scoop that's on our message board that nobody else has posted anywhere else on the net. Uh, in terms of linebacker recruiting, um, so if we get that information from our from our sources, we're going to be with, we're going to be rushing to our message board to post it, and we're going to be on Twitter saying, "Hey, we got info no one else has had," and it's going to be a going to be a especially with the sites having changed ownership and reporters, it's going to it's it's going to be a crazy June. And as I and I'm and I'm going to be out of town for one of the weekends, thereby guaranteeing that it's either going to be a positive or negative complete OU recruiting meltdown while I'm unable to uh, be on the on a message board to try and provide either uh, pop champagne or tell everybody to, or, or hand out, or again, hand out uh, tranquilizers. So it's going to be, it's going to be a crazy, it's going to be a crazy month. I've, I've not ever uh, posted a full recruiting evaluation from my iPhone in a moving car. And I'm just wondering if I need to start prepping for that right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be a wild ride, but everybody just needs to take a deep breath before it even starts. Take just, another just, deep breath in the middle of it, and take a deep breath after, because it's it's all going to work out how it should work out at the end of the day. And just remember, oh, what oh, you did last year, right? We were all freaking out. They're like, no verbals. Everybody's getting verbal commitments left and right, and then all of a sudden, oh, you had this tremendous hit rate on the kids that visited in June. And they just started just, I mean, oh, you had their best July and August in recruiting in forever. It was just, it was, hey, a guy's choosing, a guy's making a decision. And, oh, he's choosing OU. He's choosing OU. I mean, it was like seven in a row where, seven seven contests in a row where, you know, commitment ceremonies where it was just OU, 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 OU. So, yeah, guys like Vickers and yeah, uh, Green, you know, guys that have huge offers. And- PJ, PJ. Howland, um, Lewis Carter. I mean, it's just everything just went, everything went, it was all, everything went OU's direction. I mean, especially some, you know, Derek LeBlanc. Every time it was, well, this one won't go OU's way because we can't, can't get to keep hitting, but they, they did. So they pulled that off again. This is their MO. Then it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a little arduous to, to, to tightrope, to walk that tightrope, but it's, the, the payoff is could be huge in June and, and August. It's all right there for OU right now. Well, speaking of those guys, Vickers, LeBlanc, uh, PJ, Green, uh, we're going to do a little re-rank of that 2023 class with what we know so far after the spring session. 
Uh, Chris, do you want to kind of run us through this last segment of our podcast uh, where we do that re-ranking of the 23 class? Sure. sure. One, one area where I think, you know, uh, doesn't kind of get enough focus is, you know, it, it, everyone always does like the four years later evaluation and it's like, oh, okay, well, I think, you know, we've now seen a bunch of these guys in spring. We've seen some of these guys doing track. So I think it's a, it's a good time now before the summer workout. Uh, uh, all, they'll all be on campus by June. They'll all be in summer workouts. So we got to see some freshmen in spring games. We got to hear about them. So uh, I think it's, it's a good time to kind of reevaluate. So I kind of got a couple of questions here. And the first one, and I'll, I'll just answer for myself here, is, you know, we did a ranking system uh, out of 100 points on our site. Everyone sort of got their own, you know, use your own criteria. We're not going to pigeonhole you into saying like 30 points for speed, 20 points for size or anything, anything ridiculous like that. So it's just your, your gut feeling, use your own evaluation system and, and, and who would you rank? And, and I've got two guys that I, that I seriously ranked, increased their rankings based upon spring ball. And the first is Caleb Hicks. I had him ranked at about an 80, which is like a low, low four star. And I bumped him up to 85 because I think he had such a great spring from all reports. And like we, and they did, he had a little, his spring game was, was a little bit all over the place a little bit. Um, but we'd heard all through spring from all our sources that he had a fantastic spring. He looks faster, bigger than everybody expected. So I think Caleb Hicks, where I think some folks were like, some of the services had him like about a 5'8 kind of kid on um, that rival 6'0 ranking. I'd move him to like 5'9. I think he's really good. And then the the other the, the other guy, biggest riser for me is Josiah Wagner, who, again, we all really liked when we did our, if you go back to our podcast, we all said, man, we really like this kid. He's a real, he's he's a real player. Oh, you might've got a steal here. He came out of spring as a starter at cornerback. So I, you know, I think as a freshman who can start at OU, potentially, that's that's a top 100, top 75 kind of national talent. So I moved him up to sort of a, the highest four-star kind of area. I gave him a 90 points. So those were two of my biggest risers. Um, we're only talking about a certain group of people here, so... So Caleb, who who did you who were your biggest who was your biggest riser? Oh, it's my biggest one. Uh, it the guy that you probably had pegged better than I did going into spring. My my biggest was Ashton Sanders. Uh, I just was not you know the the his height and weight everything was kind of all over the board. He was yeah, listed lots. some places at six three, some at six foot some at 300, some at like 270. And so I was, I, you know, no idea what to think. Although I know on film, he's, even if he's short, he's got pretty long arms. I know he's thick. I know he's strong. And I know he's very, very nimble. Like he's really quick footed, right? So you'd see him play at defensive end and, you know, he against good competition and making plays all over the place, but Oklahoma is going to play nose guard. Just, I didn't know what to expect. And coming out of spring, you know, our source is talking about this kid's going to be a player. This kid is going to push folks right now. You know, I think – I don't know if Corey Roberson was healthy through spring. I 
and you know, if he was, I think, you know, I think a guy like Ashton Sanders came in as a true freshman early enrollee. And when they're grading out, he was, he was above this fifth year guy. He just, he's, he's going to push some folks and he is going to, he's going to be a player, whether it's this year or, you know, or next year, you know? So he, he was, he was definitely one, uh, you know, to look for another, try to go maybe a little bit different uh, than, than where you were at. But my other one was, was actually uh, Josiah Wagner. And it was same reason for you. It was, you know, Hey, I, I know he's uh, extremely, well, I mean, we, we love that guy, but it was like, him. but still like he's this, what is he doing out there, man? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> right? he's like Derek, he's like Derek straighting this, you know, to use some heady, you know, Damien will probably, you know, slap me around and he sees me if I, for this, but you know, to put too much hype on the kid, but I mean, he's like Derek straighting it out there. Well, some of the stuff that was coming out about you'd hear some from our sources about, Hey, here's how this scrimmage went. And you're hearing, Hey, X running back. There's a large fellow, right. Took, took a swing pass and was decleated by Josiah. And then you listen to guys like Teddy or gay or right. dusty. And every one of them was like, Hey, what do you think? And they're like, Hey, I don't know about you. I thought it was a really interesting conversation watching, you know, Dusty and Teddy talk when they were both because they'd been to practices multiple, but I apparently, you know, they were going different days, busy schedules. And both of them said, I don't know about you, but every time I was there, this kid was flashing and making plays. He was picking balls off. He was lighting people up. And yeah, I, I think uh I, I they I think the kid's gonna I think he's he's got a really bright future. And I had him yeah, didn't know what to, I had him ranked high on mine, but uh, he he exceeded even what I thought, and I, and I think you give him a summer with Schmidt because looking at him on the hoof, he was kind of a high cut guy. I think just a, a body type. He's not as thick as Billy Bowman, but when you look at kind of how they're, you know, how they will add weight, it's gonna. I think he's gonna end up being, you know, what is he five eleven? I think he'll be one hundred eighty pounds this fall, and uh, he's gonna be a hell of a player. So yeah, you uh, and you and you had Ashton Sanders, I think, correctly pegged. I, I uh, I'm quickly turning around my doubt on him and, and jumping on your bandwagon. Matt, any? I know that you we we you've been doing this in the middle of driving back from Florida and all this. So uh, do you do you have a do you have a high riser? Who's your best Who's your best riser? Well, you you guys already hit on the the two main ones, Wagner. Um, you know, I had him in an 86, which is kind of around what you, Caleb, you had him in an 88 before Chris, you had him at 85. So kind of right in yeah. between I bumped him to, to 93 and maybe that's an overreaction based on what we're hearing from these coaches and, you know, the potential that he could be, you know, pushing for starting reps. Um, maybe 93 is, is kind of on the higher end, but, uh, based on what we're hearing, I think he's got that type of talent. Um, now Kyle to, to bring in, uh, Kyle, who, who kind of pushed back a little bit when we started talking about that, he, he, he brought up a good point, you know, just because the depth chart ahead of him wasn't quite as deep, doesn't really mean that you should push him up that much higher, but at the same time, he still has that talent. So I think that, that kind of like low, that, that mid to, to upper four-star range for a guy that comes in and almost immediately these coaches are like, this guy can play. 
And then weeks into camp, hey, this guy might start. So I, I think getting him pushed up a little bit, Ashton Sanders, some of the same, um, you know, into that uh, good four-star territory. I had him at 84 before, moved him closer to 90 because he's a little bit on the smaller side, but he's got a motor, he's he's dedicated, uh, he's quick. So, um, you know, maybe even this fall we'll see a little bit of Sanders. Hicks is another one. I mean, you guys kind of hit on on – we all three kind of had the same risers. I'll go with another one. Um, I moved him up from a 90 to 94, uh, Jaquazi Petaway. Yeah, that's a good one. Maybe 90 was a little bit low for me, but post-spring, he's not here yet. But track season, his track time started coming out. He is a legitimate speed threat. He's got... Pretty decent size. He's a little bit on the shorter end, um, but he's solid muscle, and he's in that 10-4 range, so he's he's possibly sub 4-4, which is exactly the kind of speed that uh, this wide receiver core needs. So I, I bumped him up four points um, solely based on those track times and then going back a little bit and watching the film and seeing – Hey, yeah, that that speed really does show on the field, but now we know it's it's verifiable 10-4 range. Um, so he was he was one of the other ones. Yeah, I'm, the one the only other riser I didn't mention that you guys and I agree with everything there is I bumped up Dalen Smothers because I had kind of lowered him because he missed his senior year. And then everything we and he was hurt for part of spring. So he the rust, but the latter half of the spring, we heard he was playing unbelievable. And then that run in the spring game where he, I mean, the Jackson Arnold drive almost never happened because Dalen Smothers was a step or two from housing that. I mean, I think, I think OU with Hicks and Smothers has gotten a fantastic running back combo that Damian Mackey, uh, sorry, Damian Mackey, sorry, Damian, no, De- DeMarco, another, Another D, DeMarco has, you know, everyone's like, why is he going with these guys? And I think, you know, Springs validated that DeMarco Murray knows running backs. Don't, 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 if you might just want to just give them the highest rating you can, because uh, both those guys look really good. So did you have any player that based upon everything that we've seen that really dropped? The one guy I dropped, and I don't think it's necessarily fair. I think probably I maybe had him a little too high. Was I, I dropped Derek LeBlanc a couple of spots just because he didn't he didn't seem to he was he played in the spring game he seemed okay I just think the development window there might be a little longer and that might be just a little tougher for him he's moving inside you know it's 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 a big transition uh, so I think I, I dropped Derek LeBlanc a little bit and uh, I took took a, a point off Heath Ozeda, uh just because he wrecked his truck. And he needs to be smarter than needs to be a lot smarter with how he's driving. We don't have any details of the accident, but he said he was fine, but he showed a picture of a truck where I'm like, okay, Heath, you need to, we need you on the offensive line. You, you, you need to be driving whatever caused that, you know, you need to be driving a lot more careful. So that's, that's funny on Ozida. I actually moved him up to not because of the wreck, <laughs> but uh, you, you look at him coming out of his, 
going into his senior year, he was probably like 275, somewhere in that range. And you I, just seeing pictures of him, he's starting to just kind of fill out. It's still, he's still really lean looking and like flat belly and athletic, but you, you, I thought he looked probably closer to 290, looked stronger. Now, if he, if so, he threw the truck, yeah, I don't think that, that accident. But if he it was threw muddy, the truck, I'd be, I think it was, if I think that it was, was, that would be fine. If he's like able to like bench press the truck, that would be different. But Keith, yeah. stay safe. We, we need you on our offensive line. Uh, it's so. Uh, one I will add as well, a kid that I've moved up just to finish mine out was Cade McIntyre, and uh, tight ends was a rough spot. And then you see him, his Bergen Catholic, whatever that was, I believe, high school tweeting out, and he looks yoked up, right at six four two thirty, uh, winning the six indoor sixty meter there in in Nebraska at one of their against, against middle meets. against middle middle schoolers apparently. I mean, it looks like it when everybody everybody around him is like five foot ten and one hundred and sixty pounds, and he's six four two thirty, and you're like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> uh, but you know, so for me, I did same thing. I moved LeBlanc down uh, a couple of spots, and it was this is to show you how you can overanalyze things. It was simply like watching some of the drills, and there just looked like a lack of. He looks further along. Um, he, I'm sorry. He looks like he's got further to go in terms of adding upper body strength and power and explosiveness just in the upper body than you would probably hope. But at the same time, you know, there were, there was, you hear the word of that he came in at, was it 265 or so? And it's already up yeah. like two, 280 after just the spring and winter. So he might be a guy that shows up and, and who just continually really changes his body. Uh, but for, so, I'll try to go different. The one guy moved down and he was, you know, simply only reason was is uh is the junior college kid out of Butler, Oklahoma just got a commitment from I I moved Taylor Wine down just those two spots. And you mean you mean Dolby? No, no, Taylor Wine. I'm, okay. And the reason and the reason was we when we did this, just looking at uh Elaine Jenkins coming in and knowing, okay, you know, it, nothing that uh, post-spring or pre-spring that, that Taylor did. It's just looking at more likely than not with Jenkins coming in and the defensive line class, they're look, you know, looking at bringing in this year. It makes his, his road for development maybe a little bit. It extends it a little bit, but we'll see, you know, cause he did show up and you see the pictures of him standing with, uh, with Chavis, with right? Chavis. And, I think and Heath, he was with Heath too in a picture, I think. Okay. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things that was his, his size was once they contested. Not, he's not six, three, he's six, five. Yeah. yeah. That was when people talk about, it's like, <laughs> is he really six, three, two twenty, or two ten, or is he six, five, you know, two thirty? And, and I think he's, he is that six foot five. So, which is, uh, which is funny. I, I took that same picture and bumped him up one spot. Or one point because it verified his size, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. see, I moved him too. I moved him down a couple because uh, of, of Lane Jenkins, you know, just for just for this. So yeah, it was, you know, I mean, maybe I could have moved McCarty down just because he's still recovering from the ACL. But yeah, I didn't move the three five stars up because I already had them ridiculously high, and there wasn't much more to move them up. But the only other thing I would say is that. I would say this looked like a top five class. This was a top five class rankings wise, right? Composites. Yeah. It was top five. Yeah. Composite and I would, number four, I believe. Yeah, exactly. So it's, 
you know, rivals may have had it like number six by like 20 points or something like that, but whatever. They also had Arch Manning number one overall. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. What the hell yeah, are they right. now? But I, but what I, the, I would just end by saying that five months later, this looks like a top five class. The guys, this, that Peyton, PJ, Arnold look like five stars. This wasn't like, is that guy a five star? He, is he really a five star? He, he, our five stars look like five stars. Makari Vickers, from what I could see in the spring game, I mean, he looks, he looks like a super high four star. It looks like he's been on campus for three years. <laughs> then you then you look at then you look at the running backs again, who were not who didn't get high ratings, right? If you were reevaluating the running backs, I would say they are, you know, I would you know I, I would jump them up in the top two fifty, top two hundred ranking right now, and these are guy got that kind of ranking respect this fall and when the class was signed. So the running backs look better. Uh, Ashton Sanders, again, we both talked. We think now he's moved up. Um, I think I was, I kind of expected more from Kendall Dolby, but other than that, I would say that, you know, this class is trend and, and we didn't mention, I can't believe none of us mentioned Caden Green as a guy that maybe we, we didn't bump up. Um, and he, he looks again like a you know Vickers, Caden Green, look like top fifty, top seventy-five talents. So you've really the the elite guys in this class look like elite guys. So yeah, really, that's with a guy like Caden Green. I think we all had him rated pretty high. Yeah, and and that was corroborated by what what we saw because we saw him at the uh, Orlando event. All the Under Armour game, Under Armour game. Yeah, best looking O line prospect there. Yeah. So I, I think it's kind of like it just confirmed what we thought as opposed to a guy like Petaway or um, McIntyre who aren't on campus but have these track times and they look great physically. It's like, okay, maybe those guys are the ones that we move up a little bit. That's kind of how I looked at it. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, that's a good point. But it's just to me, it looks like a five star. It looks like a top five class and some of the guys were like, well, why are we offering these guys like Josiah Wagner a little bit? You know, it's, it's all of a sudden we're like, whoa. So I'm, I'm dying to see how Marcus Strong, Wine, uh, Petaway, and, um, uh, um, and, and, you know, and McIntyre look, right? McIntyre, I mean, the McCarty thing, we got to just, you just got to, he's red shirting. It's a, it was a really bad injury. Just put that, put that aside, right? He's it's spring 2024 before we, we have an intelligent opinion there, right? But this 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 summer, I'm interested to see what the reports are about Jacoby Johnson again, another one of the elite guys, and how those guys look. Because if you know, because if you all of a sudden the running backs are better, Petaway's elite wide receiver. Caden Green's the Lido line, and then you've got the, the three five-star guys looking like five stars. It's it's almost under, this is, sounds a little stupid, but right now this class looks almost a little underrated at, at top five. Yeah, I, I, I think you hit on one of the pieces that every OU fan that follows uh, the sport closely and yeah, if you're you know, if you're a University of Oklahoma fan or alum or you love the school, right, it's football, you do. So you can look back at whether it was Trey Matwire, uh, Jeremy Calhoun, different five stars. And again, you know, that 
were ranked, hey, this is a big five-star kid. I mean, honestly, even like a Josh Jarboe or a Theo Weiss, that when they got on campus and you're watching them with everyone else, you're like, okay, I'm a little worried. Jeremy Calhoun's a really good example where you're watching them, you're thinking, okay, he, he better have something that I'm just not seeing in the scrimmage because from a, you know, size, a strength, a power, an agility, a quickness, a speed perspective, he's not a five-star kid. Why was he ranked there? Right. Same thing with like, you know, I think Jaden Hazelwood had really good size, but I think everybody saw it at the combine, right? He's four years removed from the ACL. So I don't know that we can really lean on that as a crutch as to why, but you're watching, Hey, good size, but he's not a real powerful guy, and he's not going to run away from anybody. Run a four, like six, seven, right? Yeah, like a four, seven or something. Yeah, and same thing with Theo Weiss. You know, you watch the tape, and it's like, gosh, he's not running away from the UTEP corner. Like he's one on one on a go ball, and that kid's hip pocket, no problem. Like that's, I don't know if that's five star, you know, football player. Uh, you nailed it, right? Like when you watch PJ and you watch him, just you know get the, get the edge or, you know, uh, uh, sweeps going out away from him, him flatten and run down a fast running back for, you know, three yard wash. Like, okay, he looks different. You know, not only does he look different on the hoof, he's, he's running folks down out there. He play, he, you know, he plays a little different. Same thing with Peyton Bowen. You're watching him out there at, you know, at safety, you know, lock up a receiver, turn and run with him, outrun him, turn, locate the ball, pick it off. You're like, okay, like haven't seen DBs, haven't seen a safety do that since, I don't know, Brodney Pool maybe. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen a safety just, you know, that comfortable in coverage and turning and, you know, being the receiver on the ball. And it was the same thing with Jackson Arnold. You know, we've talked a lot about this on the board and Barry has, you know, about – release time as it relates to, you know, just the overall footwork and release of, of Gabriel and how that impacts that, the quick game. Uh, but yeah, you, when you saw it with Jackson, like, Hey, give him a little bit of daylight and watch him run. Right. Or give him a clean pocket and watch him fit that ball up the seam. DB's got great coverage. Doesn't matter. He, he just puts it right on the money for the game winner. And uh, yeah, I thought you, you bring up such a good point that for the first time in a long time, Five-star looks like a five-star. Matt, you got anything intelligent to add to that? Not much. I mean, that's that pretty much hits it. it I agree. <laughs> I concur. I concur. Why did I not concur? No, I, yeah, I, I, just, I definitely definitely concur. It's it's the eye test for me for for those five stars, and they they passed it so far. So, um, all right, guys, uh, great episode as usual. Glad to be back. Uh, we will be back again next week. Uh, prepping uh, you guys for some Memorial Weekend drive time uh, with another podcast. Uh, again, subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. And check out Sooners360.com. We've got these evaluations. We've got uh, visit tracking, uh, <clears throat> notes from, from Barry, DMAC is chiming in, um, etc. So head on over to the board. Again, Sooners360.com to check that out and we will see you around the water cooler.